This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching, especially if this may be the first time that you've watched Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate those who watch every time we're on the air. Now, today on our telecast, we have a rather unusual title of our, our, our sermon today, Surviving a Blackout. What in the world could I possibly be talking about? Surviving a blackout. Well, you stay tuned, and I think that you'll enjoy our lesson today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And could I emphasize to you that it is free? So often, we have people who call for the course, and they say, now, what does it really cost? And when we tell them it's free, Sometimes people have a difficult time really believing that. But may I assure you, it is free. We want you to have it, and in order that you might know more about it, that you might know how to receive it, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Let me read now from Matthew chapter 25. And verse 30, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do, do you remember the song that was popular a number of years ago entitled, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia? Some years back, there was a major power failure in New York and in Canada. There were eight states that were affected by that shortage. Some 50 million people were without power. They were in the dark. In more recent times, tornadoes and floods have left scores and scores of people without power. There are some lessons, I think, that we can learn from these losses of power. I know that living on the Gulf Coast, on the Gulf of Mexico, we are subject to having hurricanes come our way. And there have been times that we have been without power, just been in the dark for a good long while at the time. And there's some lessons to learn when things like that happen. Number one, you just can't rely on man. The very best things that man can come up with sometimes fail us. We just need to learn to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, Proverbs 3, 5. And another thing that you learn when that happens is that we only need the simple things in life to survive. 
Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6, having food and raiment, let, let us therewith be content. And when you live in darkness, that is the power goes out, and you, you learn that it's just really the simple things in life that are needed to survive. But you know the world in which we live is in darkness of another kind. 1 John 5 and 19 tells us the whole world lies in darkness. It lies in the wicked one. And in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, Paul said, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Before we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But then he said, we wrestle against the powers of the darkness of this world. And the world is in darkness, spiritual darkness. Men are groping in darkness. But, but, but the power is turned on. And the light is shining in the spiritual world. In John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The power is on. In Malachi chapter 4 and 6, we're told that the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in his wings. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, we are told that God is light. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says that God is the Father of lights. So the power is on. And to prevent spiritual blackout, we need to appreciate and we need to appropriate the things of power. First of all, there's gospel power. Romans 1 and 16, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So there is gospel power. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Indeed, it is powerful. There is power in the gospel message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, Paul there told the Corinthians, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect, but for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, listen to him now, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Notice what he said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. There are some things of which we ought to be ashamed. We ought to be ashamed if we don't love the Lord. We ought to be ashamed if we are neglecting our spiritual life. We ought to be ashamed if we have the wrong kind of an attitude. We ought to be ashamed if we're sort of indifferent toward the Bible, indifferent toward Jesus, and indifferent toward God. But... but there are, there, there's at least one thing of which we should never 
ever be ashamed. Never be ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel is God's power to save the world. In 2 Timothy 1, in verse 12, Paul says, for the, for the which cause also I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. Well, not to be ashamed of the Christ of the gospel. We ought not to be ashamed of the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is not a complicated thing. It's easily understood. We ought not to be ashamed of its simplicity. We ought not to be ashamed of the facts of the gospel. And the facts of the gospel, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, are the facts about the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed of those facts. We ought not to be ashamed of the commands of the gospel. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gave the commands of the gospel. After the people had inquired, men and brethren, what shall we do? He answered by saying, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Those are the commands of the gospel. We ought not to ever be ashamed of the commands of the gospel. We should never be ashamed of the promises of the gospel. And there is the promise of salvation. There is the promise of everlasting life when one obeys the gospel. It is the gospel power. And the gospel is as powerful today as it was in the first century. There is power in the gospel to change our world. There is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to put an end to hate and violence and crime and divorce and war and, and the use of drugs and the use of alcohol and pornography in our world. That's how powerful the gospel is, gospel power. But then there's prayer power. Prayer is so powerful. In Matthew 21 and 22, Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. In Ephesians 3 and 20, Paul wrote, He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. God is able to answer our prayers. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray ye one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There is availing power in prayer. In Philippians chapter 4 and 6, Paul wrote, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Power in prayer is our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 and 7 who said, Ask and you shall receive. You see, there's power in prayer to keep us from evil. And Jesus, in teaching the disciples to pray, told them to pray, deliver us from evil. 
Matthew chapter 6. There is power in prayer to keep us from temptation. On one occasion, the Lord in Matthew 26 and 41 told some of the disciples, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. That there is power in prayer to help those that are afflicted. In James chapter 5, James says, Anybody sick, let him pray. We ought to pray for people that are sick. And we need to pray and we need to believe that God will hear the prayer and that God will help them to recover from their illness. There's power in prayer to forgive. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 6 that we ought to pray, forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who are our debtors or those who sin against us. James 5, 16 again reads, Confess your faults one to another, and pray ye one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much power in prayer to forgive our sins. We must comply with the Lord's uh, terms of pardon. But when we as Christians sin, we, must, we can pray for God to forgive us our sins. And there was power to help us in time of difficulty. You know the story of Jonah in the Old Testament? Jonah was swallowed by great fish. And in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 says, And Jonah prayed. Jonah prayed in time of difficulty. Jonah prayed in the belly of that great fish. He prayed in the depths of the sea. And God heard his prayer, and God answered his prayer. Yes, there's prayer power. But another kind of power that we have uh, in our lives is the power of influence. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And there it giveth light to all the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Christians are reflections of Jesus who is the light. He he is the Son, the S-U-N of righteousness. And we are just like moons that reflect His light. You see, when you become a Christian by believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins and confessing faith in Him and being baptized into Him, you're not going to be living in some kind of a vacuum. You're not going to be isolated. In Romans 14 and 7, Paul said, No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. That's true. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 12, he said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. You see, we are casting a shadow of influence on other people. And I might add, our influence will help people either go to heaven or they may lose their souls. We are channels of blessings. Or we may be a clog in the stream. There's the power 
of influence in our lives. And I want to address parents just now. And I wish there was a way that I could impress upon every father and every mother and every grandparent the power of influence that we have over our children and our grandchildren. They're looking at us. And they're going to grow up to a great extent to be just like us. Do you really want them to follow in your footsteps? You say, well, Brother Lambert, there's some things I need to change in my life, if that's the case. Well, then I'd suggest you begin to think seriously about your life. Think about the influence you have on others. But then there's the power of the cross. The power of the cross. Jesus in John 12, 32 said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I want you to look at Jesus on the cross. Think about him on that cross. Lifted up. Nailed to the cross. If I were to ask you to, to name me the blackest sin, or scene rather, there is in all of the Bible, and it would be a scene of sin, what, what would come to your mind? Well, you might say, well, I believe the blackest scene of sin in the Bible would be old Jezebel of the Old Testament. A, a woman who had a, a good man killed just to get his vineyard, just to please her husband. Or someone else might say, well, you know, I believe the blackest scene of, in the Bible is Judas, who, who betrayed the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. That was just the price of a slave in that day, common slave. I really believe if you want to look at the darkest picture there is in all of the Bible, the blackest scene in the Bible, a scene of sin in the Bible, you turn to the 27th chapter of Matthew. And this is where sin is seen at its worst. There were hundreds that died on a cross. But the cross of Jesus Christ was one that was different. Truly, he was the son of God. And he was on that cross because of sin. Not his sin, for he had none but for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He's the one who knew no sin, but he became our sin substitute. He took upon himself on the cross the sins of all humanity. And when Jesus was lifted up on that cross, it was to draw all men unto him. 
The uplifted Christ draws men from sin. John the 8th chapter, Jesus said, If the Son shall set you free, you will be free indeed. You'll be free indeed. Jesus Christ wants to set you free. I have an idea that I'm speaking to someone who is tangled up in some kind of a terrible crisis in their lives, a self-made crisis. It may be that you've been using alcohol for so long that it's almost destroyed your health. It's destroyed your family. Maybe you've lost a job because of it. I want you to know the Lord can set you free. He's willing to forgive you of that, and you can begin a new life in Christ. Maybe your, your marriage has fallen apart. Maybe you're having problems at home. Maybe you just have a turmoil within, and you really don't know why. Maybe there is a, a, an aching in your heart that you've not been able to find anything else that can satisfy it. But I want you to know Jesus can. He can set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you're going to be free indeed. You want to be free from sin? You've got to believe in Jesus. He can't set you free from sin unless you believe in Him. I've, I've learned one thing and going to see doctors. A doctor is not going to do a great deal of good unless you've got some confidence in that man. And I've got a great deal of confidence in the doctors that I have had to use over the years. I have one in particular that I have the utmost confidence in because I believe that man saved my life. You've got to believe in Jesus. You've got to have some trust in him. Jesus said, I said, therefore, unless you believe that I am he, You'll die in your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him. We've got to believe in Jesus Christ. He's not going to save an unbeliever. He saves believers. But not simply because you are a believer. Or in fact, if you want to be set, be set free from your sin, you must be willing to repent of the sin in your life. I've heard people say you repent and then you believe on the Lord. Well, how can you believe on someone? How can you repent of sins if you're not a believer first? That's always a little confusing to me. We believe on Him. We repent of our sins. Jesus in Luke 13 and 3 said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 3.19, Peter said, Repent and be converted, that your sins be blotted out. So repentance is required if we're going to be free from sin. Someone says, Well, what does it mean to repent, Brother Leverett? It just means you, there's a change of heart, a change of mind for the better. If I'm going in the wrong direction and I, in life and I repent, well, then I make up my mind I'm going to cease going in the wrong direction. I'm going to start going in the right direction and going in the right direction and doing the right things rather than the wrong things 
would be the fruit of my repentance. If you really want to be set free from sin as a penitent believer in Jesus Christ, a confessing believer in Jesus, you must be baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38. For Jesus said, He that believeth, it is baptized, shall be saved. Jesus draws men from sin. He draws men from indifference and neglect. But Jesus Christ draws us up to heaven. And then there's the power of choice. Man's greatest power is the power of choice. We, we, we need to make good decisions in life because you're going to live with those decisions for a long, long time. And, and one decision that you make can affect the course of your lifetime. It can affect the lives of other people and it can affect your eternal destiny. And that's the reason I would encourage you to use your freedom of choice to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me. And you have the power to come to him. But you have to comply with his conditions of coming. That is faith and repentance and confession of your faith in baptism. And we need then thereafter to live a faithful, dedicated life, meeting with the Lord's church on the Lord's day and and worshiping the Lord and having good influence with other people and trying to influence other people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the choice to make the power of choice. And that's the greatest power that you have. You can either accept or reject the light. You know, in heaven there will not be any need for the sun or for the moon, for God and the Lamb will be the light there. It's in your best interest right now, now and forevermore, to come to the light. In the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and you will find people who are trying to help others find the light. And then I want to encourage you right now to pick up the telephone. And call now for the free Bible Correspondence Course. It will help you in your search for the light. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580. 
or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.